Glory to God. I'd like for you just real quick as we're jumping in, stand on your feet real quick. Grab your Bible or grab your phone if you don't have a Bible here. I hope you have a Bible on your phone if you don't have a Bible here. Glory to God. You know, Joel Osteen has something that they say before every service and every now and then I like to say it. But uh, I would like to confess it. The word says this, keep the law in your mouth, right? Meditate on it or mutter it day and night. In other words, we should put scriptures and promises in our mouth all the time. And uh, before Joel Osteen started saying this, his dad, John, who was a mighty man of God, he would confess this. So I want you to hold up your Bible and I want you to say this with me. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I am about to receive the incorruptible. The indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, are you going to leave here the same as you came? No. Oh, amen. But see, we have to get to the place where we receive that. We have to get to the place where we believe it. I'm going into church today, and I'm going to receive something. God's going to show me what to change. I'm going to change it, and my life's going to go up. And next week, it's going to go up. And we will bring about Ephesians chapter 4 that says we're growing to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Every day, in, we're growing in Christ. We're not staying the same. We're growing. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Well, before we jump in today, I want to uh, introduce you to somebody. And uh, will you get me that mic, please? And uh, we have a friend of mine and a friend of several of y'all, uh, Evangelist Nick and Janina Bolin. Is that right? Did I say it right? Sweet. Because I was like, Janina or Janina, and I'm not sure. <laughs> Do people do that all the time? Yeah, yeah. We're so glad to have you, and I just wanted y'all to come real quick and just exhort the people for a couple of minutes. Glory to God. So, Welcome. I'm glad to see you. Yeah, love you. Amen. It's good to be here. I'm from Rowan County over there, so. <laughs> My wife's from Germany. And, uh, you know, we came, we drove 40 minutes because we come expecting. We come hungry. You know, we want a touch of God. And, uh, you know, you can be in revival. You can be in a revival church and get in a rut. Yeah. You know, yeah. how do I know that? You can, you can see in the, the meetings of Jesus, he went to his hometown and he couldn't do anything. That's right. But there was no hunger. Yeah. There was no expectation. There was no, there was no one pulling on God. Yeah. But if you pull on the anointing today, yeah. 
It'll change your life. As the, right. as the word goes forth today, I'm pulling. I'm asking God for direction. I'm asking God for revelation. I, I want the word to break forth like I've never seen it before. Yeah. And the presence of God is here. And in the presence of God is everything you need. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, we press in. Yeah. She suffered for 12 years. 12 years she was bleeding. She was looked upon, uh, and she was cast down. She couldn't go in public, but she heard of a man named Jesus. Yeah. She said within herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she pressed through the crowd, and she received her miracle. Yes. Receive your miracle today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. So y'all just... I Hold it one second. Y'all just got, y'all were over in Europe doing some meetings, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. When did you get back? Um, we just got back a couple weeks ago, and yeah. then we're going back uh, December 20th. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a few meetings and then come right back. How long were you there? Uh, three months. And how many meetings? Uh, 29, 29 meetings. Hallelujah. God Amen. is just really opening doors. Praise God. It's so amazing. Glory to God. God is so good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Love you, man. Thank y'all for being here today. That's awesome. So, so glad to have you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn to Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. We've been talking in a series, say it with me, the Word works. Amen, say it again, the Word works. Hallelujah. We've been talking about how the Word worked. And one of the things that we've been talking about, though, is the Word contains promises for you and I. The Word contains so many great things, and the, the Bible says that all of His promises are yes and amen. That means if he's given you a promise, he's already answered, I will do it. Yeah, amen. If there's a promise in the Bible that you can say, that's for me, Jesus has already said, I'll do it for you. Right. I'll do it for you. That's it. All of his promises are yes and amen, or yes and so be it. Yes and so be it. All of his promises. So if you can find a promise in here that relates to you, he's already said, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. I'll bring that about. And uh, I just want to tell y'all, I don't know exactly why. I just sensed when you sent me that text last night telling me that you were coming, uh, it was important that you were here today. And so I don't know if you'll receive something that'll be an impartation for where y'all are going, but it's important. And so you re I know you're already in expectation, but let me give that so you'll even receive it even more. So, and if you know what it is, I want to hear about it. So <laughs> hallelujah. But the word works, but many times there's been promises in that word that we've been looking at for years and years, but not everybody's been walking them. Have you ever seen a believer or a Christian that's actually had a promise, but they didn't walk in it, right? Have you ever prayed something? You know, I've done this. You ever prayed something and it didn't come to pass? Yeah, I've prayed and it didn't come to pass. Why? Because maybe I knew the promise, but maybe I hadn't gotten myself to the real place of faith yet in that promise. In other words, the word works, but I've got to apply the word, and I've got to believe in the word. But it, here's what I know. The word 
works. So if it's not working, then I need to point that light back at myself and I say, self, where am I missing it? Because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. And so if I get to a place where it looks like the word's not working, oh, it's working, but I may need to grow to apply it. So if you go over into 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn here, but go over into 2 Corinthians 9, and you go to verse 10, I believe it is, it says that you can increase the harvest of your righteousness. Increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, if you know the Bible in 2 Corinthians 5, a few chapters back, it says that those who are in Christ, they are made the righteousness of God in Christ or the righteousness of God in him, talking about Jesus. So everybody that's born again is righteous, but when you go to chapter 9, it shows you that every righteous person does not have the same harvest. Does not have the same harvest. And there's things that you can do that will increase that harvest. Wouldn't you like to walk in the fullness of the harvest that God has for you? That means we've got to study to show ourselves approved. That means we've got to put ourselves and all of our thinking kind of on the altar of God and say, Lord, show me what needs crucifying in my life. Show me the thinking that's off base. Show me the stuff that I've learned somewhere else or something somebody told me or the world in its corruption has taught me. Let me put myself and who I think I am and let me be renewed. By the renewing of my mind through the word of God and the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword and it'll start to cut off the pieces that are not godly. Get me to a place where I look more and more like Jesus and all of a sudden now I'll start to pray and things will happen and the word will work for me. Right? How many people would like that? Where you pray and it happens. That should be every believer says I want those things to happen. The word works, but we have to work the word. We have to work the word. So today we're talking about, and I believe this is the final one that we're going to have in this series. We'll see. Uh, every time I say something like that, we go on for 10 more weeks. And, uh, but we're talking about the word that I put faith in works. So I can't just have a word and not put faith in it. The word that I put faith in works. Let's look at Jeremiah 29 and verse 23. Or 23, 29, excuse me. Some people are like, I'm in the wrong place. (laughs) Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire? God's saying, is not my word like a fire? declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters the rock. Now what we've been talking about throughout this whole series is this. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, in the fiery furnace, when Jesus shows up and there's a fourth man walking in that fire, they did not bow their knee to a corrupted world. They trusted God and they said, I will not bow to you over my Lord and Savior. They had a conviction. They had some guts. They had a grit. And they said, Lord, I'm gonna be, we're going to be faithful people. They threw them in the furnace. The guys that threw them in, the, the guys that were being acting out the bondage that was on their life, they died. And they died throwing them in the fire. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walk around in the fire. And then they look in there. They say, I see a fourth man. And the Son of God is like the Son of God. And the only thing that happened to them was the bondages that were on their life broke off. They came out of that not even smelling like smoke. And all of a sudden, their faith changed a whole nation. Their faith changed a whole nation. That's the people I'm preaching to today. I'm preaching to a people that will change a city, a state, a nation, because we will be a faithful people. Do I have anybody that receives that? Amen. Glory to God. It doesn't matter where you're at, where you've come from. You say, Lord, I'll trust in you. You know, who knew them before the fiery furnace? I I don't ever see them really mentioned in there. Nobody really paid attention to them. All of a sudden, one unknown person decided, three of them together, decided, I'm going to have faith in God. All of a sudden, they change a nation. Unknown people change a nation by putting faith in God. The word that you put faith in works. And just like that fiery furnace that burn off the bondages, the word of God is like a fire. And if we will give ourselves to the fire of the word, it won't burn us, we won't smell like smoke, but it'll light us up and no bondages can, can hold on to you. You'll just be free and light, easy and light, because the word carries with it a strength. Amen? Amen. All right, but it's also like a hammer that shatters the rock. Have you ever tried to get something? I, you may be a farmer or been around it. Have you ever tried to plant something in hard ground that's never had a seed in it before? Oh, my goodness. It's a pain. It's a pain. I, I tell the story about one year my family went, and we decided we were going to make us a garden in a place where there had never been a garden. You want to talk about work. Oh, my goodness. And we had a tiller powered by gas. I can only imagine not having machinery to do it. But I'm telling you, even with that tiller, that thing made me strong. It made, I had to get strong just to hold on to it after about two hours. And uh, wore blisters on my hands. And then after you turn the soil, there's rocks and sticks everywhere. You got to get those out of the way. That was work. That was work. And uh, here's the thing. The word of God is like a hammer that breaks that rock into a fine dust so that when the seed of the word is preached to you, all of a sudden your heart becomes fertile soil and your whole life can start to change. That's the goodness of God that says, even if you're coming from a stony place, if you'll just give yourself to a word that works, all of a sudden he will break it up and that soil will become like a fine powder. It will become a fertile soil and the seed of God's word will go in and it'll produce stuff. The word of God is like a fire and a hammer that shatters the rock. Don't you want the fire of God and the hammer of God to break stuff off of your life so that you can walk in what you've been called to walk in? See, there's a whole lot of stuff talking about victory and overcoming and more than a conqueror in this word. But how many Christians have you seen in your lifetime that are actually living that? Unfortunately, I've not seen enough. But that's why we preach. Because the foolishness of preaching is the power of God. To set people free. To cause them to walk like Jesus walked. To cause them to look 
like Jesus looked, to cause them to talk like Jesus talked, and to cause them to pray and see results like Jesus prayed and saw results. And he said, you'll do these things and greater. See, there's most every single one of us have been discouraged at some point by some church or some Christian who claims that God's good, but they, nobody's carrying his power. In other words, we're not walking in that. You know, how many people enjoyed it at the end of last week? We were pretty much done. I was going to hand it to Barrett, let her tell you the, the announcements and dismiss everybody. All of a sudden, right before we walk out, uh, we get basically a discerning of spirits and a word of wisdom, and four miracles, four knees get healed. Boom, healed, boom, healed, boom, healed, boom, healed. And, and y'all responded well, because it was like the first one, glory to God, everybody's praising God. The second one, glory to God, you know. And the third one, glory, it just got louder and louder in your praise. And then we're like, okay, that's the end of the service. <laughs> and everybody walks out, and it's like, wow, look at what God can do. That, there should be the fruit of God's power based on his love in every service. We should see the power of God the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation. We should see these things. We need the Word to work in our lives. We've all been frustrated by people that talk about a great, big, loving God, but are they carrying it? I've seen too many that aren't, and then it's kind of like we've been carrying a lie. Now, that's not a lie, but the fruit in our lives has been the lie that the power didn't back up what we were claiming God to be, and, but it's not God because the word is working. Yeah. It's us that's not working the word. The word that we put faith in works. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So will be my word which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter to which I sent it. Let me read it in the New Living. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always, say it with me, always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. See, when the people of God get this inside of them, they will start to be in expectation. They'll walk in on Sunday morning and say, I'm changing today. That Bible, it's got power of God in it, and it's going to change me today. I will not be the same. I'm not leaving here the same today. I won't leave here the same next week. I won't leave here the same the week after. I'll be changing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm changing and growing up in him every day. See, if every Christian actually grew up in him every single day, what would the Christians look like? Now, see... Uh, you know, who in here feels like they have arrived and look like Jesus? And I would say almost nobody would say that. But you do, you have ventured into a place or ventured into a video online today of a place that does believe that they can. Yes. And they are actively growing in the things of God. Yes. They're not claiming to have it all together yet. But they're moving. And here's the thing, we're starting to see more and more of it. More and more of it, not just through the pastor, through the hands of the people. More and more and more and more because these promises are not just to pastors. 
They're not just to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's to every person that is in the family of God. Everyone. Even hairstylists. Everybody. It's crazy. Everyone. Everyone. Say it with me. Everyone. Everyone. That was almost there. Everyone. Everyone. Hey, that was good. (laughs) God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. And the word that you put faith in works. Now, I want you to hear this because every word that you say amen to doesn't necessarily work. We got churches full of people that if they will say anything at church, they'll say an amen to a lot of stuff. But not a lot of people live that amen out. They might even shout hallelujah and raise a hand during worship. But that does not mean that they're living that way. They might be hiding something. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And they're really hiding something. And and if I asked you to raise your hand, I said, how many of you actually had something you were hiding while you were in church at some point? And you said, amen or hallelujah. It'd be all up all across. Every one of us, for the most part. Every one of us. God's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. So just because we see it and we agree with it mentally doesn't mean that we're actually applying faith toward it. But when we'll apply faith to the word, it will work for us. Romans 2, 10 and 11 says this. Romans chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. It says, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and to the, also to the Gentile. Verse 11, For there is no respect of persons with God. There's no respect of persons with God. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. See, many of us think that just showing up on church Sunday morning is fearing him and working righteousness. But if we show up in church, amen, hallelujah, you might dance stronger than anybody else, but you don't let the word of God change you and move you to the place of faith, then we haven't worked the righteousness that he's talking about. He says, but the person, now watch, what these are basically saying is the person that will grab a hold of the word of God, apply it in their life, walk it out rightly in faith, that person, God won't be a respecter because you're a Jew or Greek, white or black, male or female. He won't be a respecter of that, but he will respect the work in faith that you put to his word. Uh, Turn, uh, you don't have to turn there. Let me just give you three points real quick about faith. 1 John 5, 4, if you're writing it down. 1 John 5, 4. What about faith? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. In other words, God has lined it out that if you will apply faith, that faith is what's going to be your victory. 
This is how you're going to get your victory. Now let me just ask you something. Looking at this verse, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, right? Here's the question, okay? Do you think that you're going to overcome the world any other way now that God has said that? No. So if you have a victory, how is it going to come about? Faith. It's always going to be faith. Now, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, let's turn there, and you'll see this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So number one, faith is what's going to bring about victory in our lives. And there's no other way that it's going to come about. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. We want to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. In the King James it says that diligently seek him, showing us how we should seek him. Should we just seek him you know, on Sunday mornings and then Monday through Saturday? Eh. No, diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. But we need to give him faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible. So we want to be people of faith. And what we must believe in is that he is. He is what? He's everything that you need. If you need saving from something, he's a savior and he'll save you from it. This is a reference back to when Moses says, who should I say sent me? And he said, tell him, I am that I am sent you. In other words, whatever you need me to be, I am that. Whatever salvation in the righteousness of God you need me to be, I am that. And what he's saying here is when we as believers, as Christians in the body of Christ, if we're going to have faith that pleases him, we must seek him and we must believe in him that he is whatever we need. You need healing? He is. You need provision? He is. You need restoration to your family, to your mind, to anything. He is that restore. You need protection. He is protection. You need deliverance. He is deliverance. You need redemption. He's redeem redeemer. That's who he is. We must believe that he is those things. This is putting faith in him. So we can't talk about... Well, you know, I just have to be, you know, smart, you know, and do all this stuff, and I have to be wise, and then we completely ignore God. That's not believing that he is. Yes, you should be in the world, wise as serpents and harmless of, as doves, but that does not throw away, that wisdom in the world doesn't throw away our need for faith. It doesn't throw that away. We should be faithful first. Faithful first, because without it, it's impossible to please him. If you go over into Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, it says this. It says, basically, I'll paraphrase, without faith is sin. A lack of faith is sin. They'll put that up. Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. Go ahead and put that up. But he who doubts is condemned if he eat, because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith, is sin. 
So see, we can't just hear a word or a promise of God and amen it and agree with it in our head. There has to be a heart faith that attaches to that promise. And without that heart faith, we will not overcome and win the victory. We will not please God. And in fact, we'll be in sin if we don't apply faith to it. Now you think about that with every promise of God you've ever had and said, man, have I actually done this right? Well, I don't know anybody that has. But then we can say, but what should I do from this day forward? Lord, where I've not been in faith, where I've been in agreement, but not actually attached my heart, attached belief in my heart to your promises, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. First John says he is faithful and just to forgive you. But you say, from this day forward, I will put faith in you. I will believe on you. I will, put, I will believe every promise. I won't let anything sit still. This is why it's important. I uh, had a situation where I was in a meeting in a conference, a big conference. And uh, I believe it was Jerry Savelle that was preaching. And I was sitting up. And I was in up high and in the dark places. And, uh, you know, when you go into a conference center and you go really, really up high, it it's like gets darker as you go. And I was way up there, and I was listening, and I was sitting there, and uh, I was sitting, and I'm listening, and I'm listening to the Word. And the platform was over here, and I'm, I'm really getting something out of this. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost says, He says something to me that struck me. So what I'd had, I had like a, a spot on my back that just wouldn't tan. I'd get out in the sun, and it would be light, and, and it wouldn't tan. And it wasn't hurting, it wasn't spreading, it wasn't contagious. It just, the pigment was light in it. And, uh, and I'd seen it, and I'd had it for several years. This was, I don't know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I'd had it for several years. And uh, I'm sitting there listening to Jerry Savelle, being a good conference listener. And I'm sitting there listening, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost says, and I knew exactly what he was talking about, he said like this, that is an assault against my word. I'm like, well, hello. <laughs> How are you? And, uh, and I went, okay. And I knew he was talking about that spot on my back. And he said it again, that is an assault against my word. And what did that mean? That meant that, see, I had taken the promise of healing and I had not applied it in something I considered small. And so when I didn't apply it to what I considered small, I was allowing the word and his nature to be attacked subconsciously in me. And God was not pleased. What I had done was I had been, I had not applied faith to that thing. And I had displeased him and literally I was in sin because I hadn't applied faith in a promise I know I should be applying it. I knew I should be applying it and I hadn't applied it. And, I, and I, he said, now here are his words. That is an assault against my word, which meant it's an assault against his word, it's assault against his nature, it's an assault against his love. And see, if I didn't deal with that thing, I would allow his character and nature inside of me to be attacked, and it would have weakened my whole walk of faith, my whole life. 
I had to deal with it. So I started coming against it. I just, I started praying against it and coming against it. A few months, that thing had been there for years. I started, a, a few months later, I'm walking by, you know, in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I call a glimpse over my shoulder, and I realize that spot wasn't there anymore, completely gone. Now, see, what if I applied that earlier? It would have been gone earlier, right? And it was one of those things where we have to take responsibility for the faith that's in. To whom much is given, much is required. Every person has been given the measure of faith, and what are we supposed to do with that faith? Apply it. We must apply the faith that we've been given and what we see in the word is not just apply it, but grow it. Grow our faith. Grow our faith. If you've not prayed for somebody and and seen them healed before, not by pastor's hands, by yours. The word says in Mark 16, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not the pastor. Believers. Do I have any believers in here today? He's talking about you. Say it. Say, he's talking about me. me. Yeah, he is. Amen. I get to amen, y'all. Amen. You're right. So if you've never seen that before, start growing your faith towards that. Growing your faith towards it. Growing your faith towards it. If you've never given, you know, the Lord may have written something on, on your heart to give as an offering. I remember one time, Nicole and I made up a check, and it just said in there, we we filled it out, and we kept it in our Bible. And at this time, you might as well have been talking about a million dollars when we did this. We wrote it out. Lord, we want to give you in one check $500. And we wrote it out to the kingdom of God and signed it and put it in our Bible. And every time we flipped by there, we'd see that. What were we doing? We're growing our faith. It wasn't long. It was, I think, a year, maybe two but you have to understand, we were given like, you know, a big offering was $5 at that time. I mean, really. And before long, we were able to do that. We grew our faith. In other words, don't sit idle. To whom much is given, much is required. Don't take what God's given you and plant it in the ground and wait on God to do all that stuff. You work on your faith. You work on that level, right? God will give the increase to you if you'll apply the faith to it. He'll give you the increase if you'll go after him and say, Lord, I'm believing for this. So what did we do to get to that? You know, money is a great teacher. And so what we did, if we were given $5 offering, we started believing God right away to give $10. And then when we got to $10 offerings, we believed God to get to 20 and then 50, and then 100, then 200, then 300. I think we wrote like two or three, two or $300 checks. Then all of a sudden, we were able to give that 500. We grew our faith to that amount. You can do the same thing with healing. You can do the same thing in all these different areas. But we can't take our faith and say, oh, thank you for this faith, God. I'll use it someday and put it in our back pocket. No, we've got to grow. The word that you put faith in works. The word that you put faith in works. And so to talk about this today, he's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. I want us to look at several stories here. And the first thing I want you to do is look at Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Matthew 15 and verse 21. 
Now this story is an amazing story of faithfulness and somebody not taking offense. (laughs) I mean an amazing story. You have a lady here who is not a Jew. She's Syrophoenician. And let's read this. Verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman came from from that region, came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. Now right there, you know, imagine that. Imagine that. Come, come here, Chris. Imagine I'm sitting here, go over to the wall and Imagine that all of a sudden I'm sitting here and I'm minding my business and Chris comes up to me and says, Hey, Pastor. Y'all, y'all are feeling awkward just watching. <laughs> Imagine if you were him. He, he, he knows what I'm going to do. He's still probably feeling awkward. Because it's awkward. Jesus doesn't answer her a word. See, I looked at him just to let him know it's all right. <laughs> Jesus doesn't answer her a word. Now, what would most people... Can you imagine that? Imagine this. I'm pastoring next Sunday morning, and somebody, a brand new person, a brand new guest. You know, in America, you know, you got to treat guests well because you want them to come back, and you just got to do everything that they want. We've got to have coffee and donuts, and we got to be so happy to them and cheerful, and, and dear God, we better give them a gift and everything else. And everybody better say hello to them, and nobody better not look at them funny. That's the way we've thought in the American church, and we've raised up a people who are so flesh-controlled. But what does Jesus do? Now, I'm not saying that you have to do this to every guest. You shouldn't. We should love on everybody, and, and that should be, they should be so overwhelmed by the love of God and the outpouring of love But in this example, Jesus shows us that sometimes that's not 100% true. And think about that. Next Sunday morning, a guest comes in, and uh, I'm standing by the back door after service, and people are walking out, and here comes this guest by, and and I'm saying hey to everybody else, and they go, hey. Hey. Now, what's that guest going to feel like? Oh, they ain't coming back. Not in, a, not in 2020, America. They ain't coming back. Not unless there's an awakening. But this lady doesn't get offended. Guess what that is? She knew who Jesus was. She knew the promise and the power of the word of God. 
And even though Jesus completely ignored her and did not answer her a word, she didn't go away. Thanks, sir. She didn't go away. She wasn't offended. That's faith. That's faith. He did not answer her word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Now watch this. All right, come back, Chris. Sorry, I thought we were done. All right, now I need some disciples. Mark, come over here. Justin, come over here. Paul, come on up here. All right, and y'all like, you know, block the crazy person, okay? And uh, I thought that was funny. <laughs> All right, now, she kept shouting at the disciples. She kept shouting. I need my daughter healed. You, 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 you got to shout. Jesus over here. Like he's got AirPods in on, on noise reduction. Noise blocking technology. This is after he's already not answered her word. He keeps doing it. And then one of the disciples comes and says, Jesus. Can you please get rid of him? <laughs> it says, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. Now, what, what, what is going to cause that disciple to get so irritated? Like, I mean, a little bit of shouting they can put up with but she keeps on she keeps on she keeps on Chris I'm sorry I made you a girl in this story I apologize <laughs> she she keeps on she keeps on so much so that the disciples go and say Jesus come on now <laughs> I know you're not answering work but at least send her away she's driving us crazy over here that's faith she's not offended and she won't stop and then all of a sudden, he says, But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In another, in another gospel, he said, well, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll just read it through in this one. He says, I wasn't sent to you. Here's what he said. I wasn't sent to your kind. That's effectively what he said. Now you want to talk about offense. Go back. Think, think back to the example of next week when the guest comes in. And they're going out the door. Hey, it was nice being here today. And pastor goes, now she won't, she keeps shouting. And the, and the disciples, the ushers come up and say, hey, pastor, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. And then, and then the pastor goes, I wasn't sent to your kind. Now, we know this is not sin because it's Jesus. Something else is going on here. The question is, do they and does she trust and put faith in the living word of God, Jesus? No matter what it looks like, no matter what their emotions feel like, and she does. She trusts. 
This is a trust that America 2020 has lost as a whole. But it's time for believers to put it on. That we're not offended if it doesn't go our way or it feels uncomfortable. We're not offended in that way. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Put on the faith like Job had after all that stuff had happened. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know why all this happened. But he hits his knees and worships God. And he didn't have everything right, but he made this declaration. Lord, no matter what I run into, I'm going to trust you. Do we have that kind of faith in God, no matter how, what we see or how we feel? And then Jesus goes on, and he, and he says this. He says, I wasn't sent to, but to Israel. Now watch this. It looks like, but see, Jesus was on a mission. But doesn't it look like that Jesus is respecting a certain people right here? But we know from Scripture and the full council, he's not a respecter of people. But what is he a respecter of? Faith. Faith. So what is he? He's on a mission right now. And his mission is to get salvation to the Jews, knowing that the Jews would then take salvation to the rest of the world. So this, she is not his mission. She, and he's telling her that. He even ignored her, and then he tells her that, and then he says this. Verse 25, But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. What would it take for somebody to do that? You're talking about some faith here. After all that already, all of a sudden, then she comes down and bows before him. And then, then he says this. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> imagine that, 2020. Man, imagine if, if some person had this happen at one of the mega churches in the end of 2019. You'd read about that across the papers around the world. Mega church pastor says, he wasn't sent to my kind and called me a dog. He'd lose half his congregation overnight and probably the other half within a week. Why? Because we're not the kind of people that thinks, you know, we've not been the kind of people in America that thinks this is okay, but yet Jesus did exactly this. In other words, we have become a people that are not emotionally mature and we're not a faithful people, and we're not the kind of people like the disciples that said, you have the words of life, where else would I go? And we want to cater everybody's feelings instead of grow up. Right. It's time for the church to grow up, and especially grow up in their faith. Amen. Grow up in their faith. Now, I do want to point out something, because he's talking about healing the daughter. Thank you, guys. I think I'm all done. He's talking about healing the daughter. And what does he call healing? The children's bread. The children's bread. And then he says in the Lord's Prayer, he says that you pray, give us this day our daily bread. That means healing is yours every day. When I wake up this morning, 
the children's bread is mine because I'm a child of God. When you wake up this morning, when you wake up tomorrow morning, when you wake up the next morning, the children's bread, healing is your provision and God wants you to have it every day in full supply. Healing, whole, divine help. He wants you to walk in. But see, if you don't know these things, you won't apply faith toward it. And my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge or they're gone into captivity in another verse for a lack of understanding. we got to know that God wants it. But how much of the church has actually known these things? Not very many. Y'all, most people here know it because we've preached on it and taught on it. But most of the church in America hasn't known it. And even if they've heard it, they've agreed with it in their mind. But they haven't put faith on it in their heart. The word that you put faith in works. The word that you I was talking yesterday uh, to somebody. I was relaying to them the story that Brother Hagen had. And if you don't know about Brother Hagen, uh, he actually had a life uh, debilitating blood disease that was going to kill him in his teenage years. And he was on the bed of death and he even had preachers coming up to him saying, son, just let go. Well, he did. He actually died more than once. And the first time he died, he went to hell. The first time he died, he went to hell. And he came back. God brought him, brought him back. He was losing grip and he was falling into hell. And he felt the, the heat. He felt the torture. The darkness surrounded him. And then God brought him back. Praise God. He got born again right away. And then he, he died another time. And after he got born again and he went to heaven that time after that. He was like, whew, you know. And, uh, but then he gets healed of this and God speaks to him and says, healed people don't lay in the bed all day. And my understanding is it would take him like an hour just to flip one page in his Bible. It would take that much energy and effort to flip it. So imagine how much he felt like getting out of bed. You're talking about a major deal. But God spoke to him and said, healed people don't lay in bed all day. So he purposed himself to get up. He didn't feel like it. He didn't feel healed. He didn't think, you know, didn't, you know, his mind is not thinking logically I'm healed. But he said, I'm the healed of the Lord. And he put faith in Mark 11. And he said, I'm the healed of the Lord. And he started getting up and getting dressed. And then eventually he went to work. He said, and people don't understand. They think that I just went to work because I was completely healed. In my body, I didn't feel healed at all. He said, I actually felt like laying in the bed all day. He said, I felt horrible. He said, but I'd get up and go to work. And he said, and as the day went on, when he decided to put faith on, he said there was a supernatural power that met him as he applied faith to the word. And faith without works is dead. And so he got up and he started acting like he was healed, although he didn't feel like it. It was working his faith. The word that we put faith in works. And he went to work and he said, as the day progressed, I'd get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then the next day I got up, to go, I, felt the, I felt about the same. Maybe a, a hint of a difference, but I felt about the same. And he went to work and the grace of God, the supernatural power of God would hit him as he was about 
his faith. As he was working his faith, and he gets stronger, he said, by the end of it, uh, within, a, within a little bit of time, he said, I became the strongest worker there out of all the healthy people. Why? Because he was applying the supernatural strength of God as he worked his faith. The word that you put faith in works. She said, he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord. Even the dogs, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from your master's table. This healing that I need, it's not even a full piece of bread. It's nothing but a crumb to you. That's how powerful you are. This woman is looking for ways to put her faith in God as her healer. She's not looking for ways to be offended. She's not looking for ways to be turned away. She's looking for ways to put her faith in God. She's looking for ways. Then Jesus said to her, now remember, was Jesus called to her? Was she his mission? No. But he stops his mission and says this because of her faith. Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. God's not a respecter of persons, but he does respect faith. Pulled, pulled him by faith off of his mission. Why? I want you to hear this. Because his mission always is to meet the faith of people. His mission is always to meet the faith of people. I can remember uh, when we first started pastoring, I can remember uh, I had multiple people. They started to get, you know, some belief rising up and some faith rising up. And, you know, I'd have a person come up to me or a couple come up to me and say, you know, we're believing God for this. And I can remember listening to them. And I, I know my job is not to put their faith down as a good pastor. But I'm sitting there thinking, like, you ain't ready for this. Uh, your, your faith ain't at that place. Not being funny, but you're not ready. And I'm thinking, they're going to put faith on this and fail. And I, so I'm, they're telling me what they're believing for. They might be believing. I've had people walk up and say, I'm believing for supernatural healing of this cancer. And I'm thinking, you didn't have faith to get out of bed last Sunday and be at church. It's like, how are you going to believe for cancer to go away? Now, I will tell you, don't just sit and, and all of a sudden think that God's going to get you a miracle. God will get you the miracle. The question is, are you in faith to receive it? So don't wait, again, don't wait till the battle's going on to load your weapon. Work your faith long before you get to something that's life or death. Work your faith before you get, you know, fifty, dollars $100,000 in debt. Don't, don't start working your faith now, continuously increase it, right? But then here was this, I can remember as a young pastor, I'm sitting there, I'm like, and I'm thinking, you don't have faith to get this done. Uh, and I'd be, while they're telling me the story, I'm, I'm praying, you know, I'm like, Lord, show me what to say, because I, I don't, they're not, this ain't going to work for them. Show me what to say, Lord, show me, because I don't think they're ready. I don't think they're even close to ready. And the Lord said, is it your job to increase faith in people or to decrease faith? 
I said, it's my job to increase it and to uphold them. He said, they're giving me what they have. You support them and you believe with them. And so I'm like, okay, I'm praying with you, but I'm thinking I got to put faith on, I got to put faith to believe in your faith. And I would watch and all of a sudden they'd be sitting there and uh, have a couple believe in God for something and they'd go, glory to God, God came through. We believed him for this and God came through. And I'd be like, Hallelujah! How? <laughs> How did that happen? I don't. And what I began to realize is that God will meet them where you're at. And yeah, you might uh, you you might not have known before now to increase your faith, and you might just be trying to step out there. But God says, "Look, I'll take what you give me. If you'll give me what's in your hand, I will meet you at that place." Now, don't let that you know take you to the place of being lazy about your faith. Don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. But if you will, with your whole heart, go after God, God will do the miraculous for people. Why? Because he loves people. He's about them. And he believes in them more than we believe in ourselves. And he knows if you will just give me what you have, I will meet you at that place. God's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. And I watched that same scenario play out four or five times and I finally got it through my head. If somebody will turn their heart to God in true faith, God will meet them right there. Meet them right there. And many of you have witnessed that the same with yourself. You ever believe something and you're, and you're like, I'm not even sure we're there yet, but Lord, I'm going to trust you in it. And then God came through. Yeah, we got stories of that all over this church. God loves you. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day, I think it might have been Kevin, and uh, I said, look, the Lord showed me years ago, talking about mercy, but also just talking about his goodness. He's like a good defense lawyer that's looking for any legal loophole to get his goodness to you. God is looking for ways to get his promises to you. If we'll just kind of connect our heart and give him faith, you'll find God and he'll meet you at that place. And your life can turn around. Those situations can turn around. Those things can turn around just like that. The word that you put faith in works. And you might not be as skilled and as far down the road as you thought that you should be. You might not be there. But God is merciful. Just turn towards him and keep going. Turn towards him and keep going. Turn towards him and keep growing. Turn towards them and keep believing. Turn towards them and don't turn back. And you'll see that God will meet you right at that place. You remember the story in Matthew 14? They're out in the middle of the desert. There's 5,000 men. Most scholars agree there's 15,000 people at a minimum out there. They got two fish and five loaves. That is not enough. And even the money that they have, which equates out to something like 25, 30, $30,000, what good's it going to do out in the middle of the desert with no stores? There was no McDonald's nearby. There was no Burger King. They couldn't have loaves and fishes their way. It wasn't there. All they got is two fish, five loaves. They don't have enough. Anybody ever been at a place in your life you feel like, I haven't had enough? <laughs> 
You didn't have enough last week. You had pain for all those years. But you met God here at the altar. Lord, I put faith in you. And what happened? Where you didn't have enough, he made it enough. Amen. And in the middle of that desert, there was a river of God flowing, unseen to the natural eye. And Jesus just modeled it. What I love is Matthew 14 is they fed the 5,000. Matthew 15, they feed the 4,000. And what happened in Matthew 14 is Jesus basically said, Hey, disciples, let me show you how this is done. We're in the middle of the desert. We don't have enough. Lord, take this, what we have in our hands. Lord, bless it. We thank you for it. We praise you. We put our faith in you. And then he started breaking. I love what Brother Tracy says. And when they broke the fish, the head grew a, head grew a tail and the tail grew a head. And then they broke that one and the head grew a tail and the tail grew a head. Because there was a supernatural spiritual river of God that when they took what they had in their hands, when they took the level that they were at, and with all of their heart they said, Lord, I'm yours. They put faith in the word that God was a provider. He was the same Jehovah Jireh in that desert as he was when Abraham was in that desert. He was the same God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And in that moment, they reached into that supernatural river and the provision of God was there. And when you reach into that river and you give God what you have, Lord, here's my faith. Help me grow it. Help me grow in provision. Help me grow in belief. Help me grow in my hope. I give you me. You'll find that same provision for yourself. You'll find the same thing. Because he's the same God. And he's not a respecter of persons. He'll respect you the same way he would someone else. But he is a respecter of faith. And you reach into that river. And all of a sudden, Jesus and the disciples, they gave them gave God what they had and they thanked him for it and God blessed it and they fed 15,000 and here's what those if you look at those verb tenses in the two different chapters in, in chapter 14 it says and Jesus continued breaking so every fish passed through his hands and he was basically saying see disciples see what I'm doing here see what's happening right here look at what I'm doing I'm taking and I'm believing by faith I'm breaking these fish by faith I'm breaking these loaves by faith and he and he'd break it and he'd hand it to them he'd break it and they would disperse it throughout there but in the next chapter it says the verse the verb changes and it says this he started breaking he showed them, hey, remember what we did last chapter? We're doing it again. We're reaching in by faith to the provision of God. In the middle of a desert, in the middle of a wilderness, there is still an oasis of God's goodness right here. All we got to do is put our faith in God, and the supernatural can be tapped right here in the middle of the wilderness. And he breaks it, and then he hands it to his disciples and watches the miracle take place as they take what's in their hands, just like Jesus took what was in his hands. The question is, what's in your hands today? What you have, and every person has, even if they don't know God, to every man is given the measure of faith in Romans 12. Every man's been given the measure of faith. So you can take that measure of faith, and you say, Lord, I need your help, and I believe in you, and I trust you, and I know that when I give you my faith, 
and I give you what's in my hands, you will hit it and multiply it and bring about your goodwill because you are not a God who's withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. And today, I walk uprightly in faith. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you above everything else, above the doctors, above the bank account statement. I put my faith in you. I put my faith in you. You, Lord, are my number one source. You, Lord, are, are my number one supply. And I trust you, and you will fill my life with good things, with peace, with grace. The other day, uh, this is my friend Daryl. The other day, we were out on the, on the sidewalk. We just met the other day, and we were sitting out there, and we just prayed together. And all of a sudden, not in church, not in church, on the sidewalk, about to eat a hot dog. <laughs> you might already had a hot dog. I don't know. On the sidewalk, downtown. I said, hey, Daryl, let me pray for you. He said, okay, I'd like that. I start praying for him. And by his own words, you can nod if it's right or not. By his own words, I, I said, what happened? He said, I just feel lighter. The stuff broke off. It feels different. On the sidewalk, not in, not in church. On the sidewalk. Is that right? And now he's here this morning. Amen. On the sidewalk. It doesn't have to just be here on Sunday morning. It's designed to be in every believer. To be in every believer everywhere they go. They can move into even a dark place and they can be the light. They're designed to be the light everywhere they go. I got a whole bunch of stories. You, you can just write these down. Luke chapter 7. 1 through 10. Luke 7, 1 through 10. Mark 10, 46 through 52. Mark 10, 46 through 52. Mark 5, 21 through 43. In each of these stories... Faith stopped God in his tracks and caused him to pour it out. You mentioned a story earlier about the lady with the issue of blood. In Luke, Luke chapter 7, you see the, the centurion servant that's sick. You remember the centurion would have been Roman. He wasn't Jew. Jesus wasn't sent there. But the centurion even had been given offerings to God. He'd been given offerings to God. Well, why would somebody who's not even a Jew be given offerings to help build the temple? Because he's saying, Lord, I trust you and I trust in your goodness and I want, to, I want to, by faith, give to you in that way. Lord, I trust you. Well, he didn't know what was coming up, but all of a sudden his servant is sick and his servant was somebody he needed. And then he comes up and Jesus says, he tells Jesus, he said, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. Just say the word. He tells them the word. And he, and he says, he returns. He said, I've not seen such great faith. In other words, Jesus wasn't called to the centurion. But the faith of the centurion in his giving and in his understanding of authority caused that faith to be released into the power. He goes home and the servant was healed. Mark chapter 10 
There's the blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is walking down the street, but he heard that Jesus was coming. And he didn't even say, uh, Jesus, the son of Joseph. He said, Jesus, son of David. In other words, he connected Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one, and the, and the one who's carrying the anointing of God. He connected him to him. And Jesus is walking by, and, and Bartimaeus is yelling, and they're like, shut up. All the people around like, Bartimaeus, shut up. But the faith of Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is walking, and all of a sudden he hears that. I just heard faith. And he stops. He says, bring him to me. God's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. He was going to keep on walking by, but then he made faith, made Jesus stop in his tracks. Faith made Jesus stop in his tracks. When you get faith inside of you, it causes God to have a look at what's going on in your life. We need to be, the word that we put faith in works. And then Mark chapter 5, verse 21, there's a lady with the issue of blood that you mentioned earlier, Nick. And all of a sudden, this lady comes up. She's not even supposed to be out in public. But the Bible says she kept saying to herself, if I will just touch the fringe of his garment, I will be healed. Now I want you to see something that's very important. Because the fringe of his garment was very important, what she just said. She recognized and recognized the word of God. The word of God said that Jesus prophesied that Jesus would rise up and he would have healing in his wings. That meant uh, wingtips. Another word for that in Hebrew was the fringed tassels of his garment. And when she walked up, she knew the word. But see, not, there's a lot of people that knew that promise. But this lady put faith in that promise and she kept saying to herself, faith confesses, it says to this mountain, that you put in the word of God in your mouth day and night, then you will make your way prosperous. She kept saying, if I just touch the fringe of his garments, I know he's the Messiah. He has healing in his wings. He has healing. All I've got to do is touch it and I will be whole. She had been sick for years and years, spent all her money. She comes up. Jesus is walking. He, he doesn't even see her. Jesus doesn't even know that she's there. He's walking. All of a sudden, she reaches out. Now, is she reaching out with doubt and unbelief? She's reaching out with faith. And the word that you put faith into. See, she had found a word that Jesus had healing. He was the anointed one, and he had healing in his wings. And she reached out and put faith in that word, and instantly she was whole. And Jesus, and this should tell us something, we should learn to walk with God and in his power so much that we are tuned in when power transfers. And Jesus is walking, and he's got the whole crowd. Imagine me grabbing all of you, put me in the middle, and all of y'all just kind of go press in. That's the way it was, and we're walking somewhere. I'm going to have all, I'm going to be feeling everybody around me, but somebody touched him differently. Somebody touched him with faith. Somebody put faith in the Word, and as soon as they put faith in the Word and they reached out with their faith, 
the power from heaven transferred into her body and she was completely healed in that moment. The word that you put faith in works. And all of a sudden in this moment, the power, the anointing, that river that can't be seen with natural eyes produced a healing in her body. And then Jesus says, who touched me? She comes clean says, it was me. And he says, not only are you healed, but you'll be whole. In other words, everything that had been stolen is going to be restored. Everything. There's people here today that the devil has stolen some stuff from you. But today, you're going to touch him with faith. And you're not just going to be healed, you're going to be made whole. He's going to restore things as if they never happened before. He's going to start doing a work in your life. And it, it may take a few days, it may take a few weeks, it may take a few months for all that stuff to manifest fully, but it's going to be restored. You're going to reach out and say, Lord, you're my king. You are my Lord. You are my Savior that saves me from lack. You are the one that heals me. You're the one who delivers me and today in the name of Jesus I reach out with my faith and I might not can see the river inside of here but I know there's a river flowing and I, I receive it today right now I just ask you if you're sitting there come here Nick give him the mic do the altar call You close your eyes and bow your head. As, as the word was preached today, you know not where you're not, you know you're not where you need to be. <clears throat> In your faith with God. During this time, it's something that's shaking your faith. Maybe you lost hope in God. Maybe you've turned on the news and that news has infiltrated your life. All you hear is bad news. Maybe you've lost hope in the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Today, your faith can be restored. Today, Jesus comes with open arms. He's here to forgive you of every single fault, every single sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins. He's, he's, he's not mad at you. He's waiting for you with open arms, saying, son, come, daughter, come, come back home. Oh, he'll give you a kiss. He'll give you a hug. He'll put a ring on your finger. He'll put the robe of righteousness around you. You don't have to live in this place any longer. Tonight, today, you can be changed. Tonight, you can be set free. Jesus wants to change you, but you can stay in your seat and stay the same. You have to come in faith. Without faith, is it impossible to please him, but come with faith today. Number one, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're watching and you don't know Jesus. 
is the best decision you'll ever make. I come from drugs and alcohol, and I should be in prison right now. I should be in hell right now. But God, in his, in his grace, in his mercy, he gave me another chance, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I'm not depressed any longer. I'm not hooked on drugs any longer. Uh, God has turned me into a man of God. He will make you into what he's called you to be. If you don't know Jesus, call upon him today. Number two, you've lost your faith in Jesus. Something has happened in your life where you say, I'm not where I need to be. If there was a time where you were more on fire for Jesus, then you need to come today. Come and let him fill you with his fire. Come and let him fill you full of faith again. And number three, if the devil's lying to you, telling you that you're not saved, you just, you have these thoughts of, I'm not saved, I'm not saved, I'm not saved. The devil is the father of lies. Today, you can be assured of your salvation. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If you're in your homes, I want you to raise your hands. Yes, I see those hands. Don't be ashamed, we're all family here. We're all family here. Yes, I see those hands. I see this. There's more. Let Jesus speak to you. Let Jesus speak to you. We're living in a time where they're pushing fear. They're, they're pushing this, this agenda. They're trying to push us away from God. But it's time to draw near. It's time to draw near to God by faith. If you lost your faith in God, if you've lost your hope in God, lift your hands to heaven now. If there was a time where you were more on fire for Jesus, you were telling people about him. But now, you're just going through the motion to just come to church on Sunday. Lift your hands now. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, everyone look at me. If you're over here on this side right here, and you didn't lift your hand, but you know, you know you're not on fire for God like you need to be. You know you need to burn for God. This is the last of the last hour. And Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith? He's looking for those he can show himself strong on their behalf. Can, can he trust you with what he's about to do upon this earth? History is waiting to be written, but we have to be in the place to receive. If that's you, if you don't know 100% sure that you're going to heaven or you're not on fire like you need to be, lift your hands to heaven. Yes, I see those hands. Over here, if that's you, I want you to lift your hands. Lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. If you lifted your hand on any of those calls, I want you to stand. Stand to your feet. Hand clap, please. And come to the front. We're all family here. I'm your brother in Christ. Come on, you can give them a better hand clap than that. Thank you, Jesus. And just put them right here in the center. This is the greatest decision you can make in your life. I was on the wrong road. I was actually on the wrong side of the interstate 
in Lincoln County, Lincoln County, and I don't remember driving a lead police on a chase. And God had his hand on me. And God just never gave up on me. Even when I messed up, he just never would give up on me. Even when I ran from him for two years, he never gave up on me. I ran from the church for two years. I ran from God for two years. Got a bartender's license. Was working downtown Charlotte. But I would be crying out to God in my sleep. I would lay down on my bed and I would cry out to God. I would try to drink it away, but I would preach to all my friends. Nothing would, nothing would take that love of God out of my heart. God loves you. God loves you. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He wants to mature you in that love so you can walk in boldness. That you can be a man of God. That you can be a woman of God. That you can fulfill your destiny. You can fulfill why you're here on this earth. You can still come now. If you didn't come, you can still come. Come! Come! What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? We're, we're family. We're not here to judge you. Don't say, I'll pray in my seat. Christ died for you publicly. We ought to live for him publicly. We ought to stand for him publicly. Come now. If you're in your homes, just stand to your feet. Just lift your hands to heaven. If you'll stretch your hands out to everyone here, and just lift your hands to heaven. And just put your eyes on Jesus. Father, I thank you for my friends here. I thank you for my family here. I thank you for your blood that washes away every guilt and every shame. Oh, you're such a good God. You are a forgiving God. You are a loving God. I think that you take our sin, and, and as we ask for forgiveness, you're faithful and just to forgive us. That you'll wash it from the east as through the west, as it's no longer. You make us a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. We are justified by, by Christ's blood just as it never happened. His grace and His mercy is here. Not so you can live in that sin, but you can live above the sin. The power of sin will be broken off your life today. The power of guilt and shame will be broken off your life today in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that the power of sin is broken. The power of guilt is broken. The power of shame is broken. I think that you would even take the remembrance of the sin away, God, in the name of Jesus, of the guilt. Now, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me of my sins. Wash me of my sins. Set me free. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were risen from the dead. I believe that you're coming back again for me. I want to be on fire for you, Lord. I want to burn for you. Take away every desire of the world. Take away every desire of the flesh. May I burn for you. Give me a love for your word. Give me a desire to pray like never before. Give me a desire to win souls like never before. Give me the wisdom to make any changes in my life. Now, Lord, I thank you that you seal them 
by your blood and by your spirit. May no harm or evil come nigh unto them, God. Use them in a mighty way. I think that you speak to them on their, on their beds, God. I think that they make the necessary changes so they can walk in the light of your word. They can walk in holiness. They can walk in purity. In the name of Jesus. There was some things I wish I would have known when I got saved. I wish I, 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 I would have known. I got saved when I was 13 and I ran away. I didn't know the importance of the word. We had a good message on the importance of having faith in the word today and, and having a strong prayer life. But one thing I had to do was I had to break away from, from some knucklehead friends. They weren't bad people. They just weren't living the same way I wanted to live. So I had to break away from knucklehead people. Maybe you got to break away from some, some people or some places or some habits today that's holding you back. And what you think you're going to give up, you'll actually gain. You think you'll lose your life, but you'll actually find your life. I was lonely for a while, but now I have more friends than I can count, and they actually love me, and they actually trust me, and they actually believe in me. God will give you new friends. I remember breaking all my CDs. My CDs was my life, but that music was inflate. It was, it was destructing my mind. I feel like I had to give up so much when I just got saved, but I'm so thankful. So I would just begin to put trust in the Word. I begin. I learned how to pray. I got rid of old friends. I began to win souls. Win souls. Tell people about Jesus. Be a be a river. Don't be a stagnant pond. And watch what God will do in your life. Amen. And stick to this church. Stick to this, this church. The house of God is so important. Be here every time the doors open. And watch what God will do in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.